0: Shield, a long form discussion podcast about musical topics both past and present. I'm Gabe, and I'm joined as always by Dan. Hello. And Darren. Hello. So the 2010s aren't quite over, but the release of Pitchfork's highly anticipated end of the decade list has everybody reflecting back on the music of the last 10 years and compiling rankings of their own. So we just couldn't wait any longer to join in on the fun. We're going to count down, and I'm sure argue about, our personal top 10 albums of the 2010s. But we also want to save plenty of time to talk about releases that made an impact without necessarily being the best... Discuss the decade's busy, biggest musical trends and, of course, uh, Bitch about Pitchfork's list. Um, so I want to jump right into it. And, you know, I was remembering when we did our top five albums of 2009 and barely fit it in an hour and a half. So now we're going to try to do top 10 albums of an entire decade. <laughs> Let's just, you know, we'll try to keep it short. We'll try to keep it moving. But, Dan, what is your number 10 album of the 2010s?
1: Yeah, my number 10. Uh, I went with Daughters, You Won't Get What You Want from uh, 2018. Uh, it's a record I, I talked about on the podcast uh here i only f- really got into it like a couple months ago but i'm just absolutely loving it and i can't i i haven't stopped uh listening to it since since i found out about it it's uh for anyone who doesn't doesn't know it's like this weird kind of like really heavy uh like swans kind of thing but with like a guy who sounds like Danzig singing it's uh it's they used to be like some sort of like uh hardcore band it's like it's wild stuff i uh, i'm just loving it
0: Huh, I've never listened to that. I know that it's like kind of Fantano core. Is yeah, that He right? gave it a 10, yeah. Really? Wow, mm-hmm, okay, yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, so 2018, wow, so 2018, uh, already making it into your list. Um, Darren, I don't suppose Daughters is on your list, so what's your number 10? <laughs> uh, number 10 for me is from 2011, and it's Take
2: Care by Drake. Okay,
0: okay. all right, very interesting. How did? It, why did you pick this one?
2: Well, you know, this was actually... One of the albums that uh, kind of reviewing the decade uh, brought me back to. Uh, it brought me back to a time when Drake was actually good, okay? Um, <laughs> he, he's he's had a little trouble this decade, I would say. Um, but this album was, like, really, really awesome, like, when it came out. And, like, just uh, putting it on for another spin, I was like, oh, my God. Just kind of, like, remembering how great the album is. Almost every song is, like, a banger in one way or another. I won't spend too much time, but...
0: Yeah, I mean... Yeah, a fascinating pick. I actually didn't even revisit it because it I always liked it, but it never like really, really clicked with me. I think because it's so, so long. But um it's it is an interesting you tell me if you agree. It's like the early 2010s, I think, were kind of fascinating because you saw indie and like mainstream pop and RB and hip-hop kind of crossing into each other, bleeding into each other a lot. And there's like a lot of you know weirdly indie vibes on this you have like the xx jamie xx doing some productions you know what i mean
2: oh yeah and you know speaking of kind of like guests and stuff like there's a lot of guests on this record i mean you've got like the weekend uh kendrick lamar Nicki minaj rick ross like everyone who's like yeah. getting ho- either like they were hot at the time or they were about to get really hot you know like ending up on this record i mean andre 3000 is also on it which uh, yeah that's I mean, a
0: memorable verse actually yeah, <laughs> yeah so It's a good one. All right. Well, Drake, I'm guessing, is not on Dan's list. Big, big Drake hater over there. Um, Yep. Oh, but I haven't done my number 10. Sheesh. Swans, The Seer. I don't suppose this is on your, a little higher on anybody's list. It's a bit higher on mine, but it is there. So, you know, weirdly, as I was re listening to albums this, um, these past two weeks, I was surprised to find that I preferred The Seer to To Be Kind, and To Be Kind didn't make my list. Um, you know, reflecting on it now, I think that To Be Kind is a lot more accessible and it's a lot more popular for that reason. And I think it helped Swan's click for me, but now I just love the Seer so much more for some reason. It's like, you know, it's so, it's hard work to listen to, I would say, but like good post-rock or something, it always, always pays off. Um, and and I think what's interesting, you know, maybe you don't want to spoil too many of your thoughts, Dan, if it's a ways away, but, you know, it's like when, when it kicks off, it's really quite groovy and fun. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And even the what's amazing to me is like even the slowest parts have this burning intensity that is, I think, rare in the history of recorded music. I think it's just a, a fascinating document. But OK, so maybe we'll come back to that when your number nine, Dan, is... Uh, My number nine, Godspeed,
1: you black emperor. Hallelujah! Don't bend Ascend from two thousand and twelve. I think this is just like the perfect mix of the old, uh, you know, pre-breakup um, uh, whatever sound uh, with their newer contemporary sound. We, we've still got those huge buildups, uh, the whole you know crescendo core thing, uh, but then they're they're really starting to intersperse with those uh, those like just straight ass drone tracks, uh, which some people bitch about. I love them, and uh, I mean the first track, M- melodic. I think it's it's pronounced. Yeah. Uh, that, that's one of the best Godspeed songs ever uh, This is just You know this was their comeback record And it just blew It blew
0: me away I, I still yeah, love I'll, it to this day I'll uh, I'll jump ahead that's my number 7 actually And yes. it's You know sometimes when you're trying to think of a list Like this and we're going to talk more about this But it's like man how do you You know you, you don't associate Godspeed with like the 2010s Necessarily you know like they yeah. made their mark In the late 90s early 2000s And it feels weird, right, to put them on a list of the 2010s, it's like a thing that's supposed to represent this decade. And yet, I found myself just deciding, you know, Godspeed is one of the best bands ever. And this, in my opinion, is their best album. You might not agree with that, but you would at least call it one of their, their best, you know. And so it's like, you know, why, why fuck around? Like, I'm just going to put it on there. And I think what makes it so fascinating for me is that it's, it's their most, like, punk album mm-hmm. you know what i mean there are like downstrummed you know power chords and stuff the way the first track builds up and then we actually like move into a similar kind of vibe at the end of the uh, second you know big track there uh we drift like worried fire and it, it's got like this lo-fi kind of i always think of it like uh, godspeed's basement tapes or something and and uh, indeed you know when you're trying to like place it in this decade how does it fit it actually doesn't and it like proudly doesn't fit in the decade at all it sounds like this lost band that we hadn't heard in so long, like this weird, you know, it almost sounds like some strange bootleg from some like basement show that they played or, yeah. you know what I mean? It's got that mm-hmm. vibe. I think that's what makes it so, so exciting for me. And yeah, listening to it now, I mean, it, it just holds up and you just can't help but like you're almost like break a sweat. How, how with like the, the <laughs> crescendos there. Um, okay. So your number nine, Darren is? Number nine for me is from 2016 and it's Puberty 2
2: by Mitski. Wow. Yep. Okay. So, <clears throat> you know, obviously this decade and we'll probably get into this indie or indie rock in general not a great deal of very memorable albums, I would say. I think yeah, Mitski yeah. comes out of this decade, you know, being one of the few that I think um come out on top, right? And, you know, Pitchfork obviously named like Be the Cowboy her 2018 record like record of the year and that's a great record. But for me, it, it was kind of always Puberty
0: 2 being the one that really stood out to me. Um, well, you know, it's interesting, right? Because Puberty 2 ended up much higher on their uh, 2010s list than Be right, the Cowboy. Right, which
2: I think is telling um, because that the records are are fairly different. You know, I think she moves in a bit more of a pop, you know, dance almost right, like, right. direction with the uh, Be the Cowboy. Whereas this one is really, you know, her with a guitar and a band, like very much in that, like indie rock mold of you know of what we're familiar with and i think her best song songs are on here i think her best writing is on here um it's a great album and it's one that i've like pretty much consistently listened to
0: that's very interesting because to me it's like one of the perfect examples of the of what i think you were talking about earlier which is like the little indie rock gem that kind of is peppered through this decade that yeah. i don't really ever revisit but i have sort of fond memories of um so it's interesting that it was... I mean, I was shocked, actually, to see it so high on Pitchfork's list because I never thought of it like a top 30 kind of an album. But, um, you know, it's interesting that it transcended that that kind of gem uh, quality for you. Um, my number nine, Father John Misty, I Love You, Honeybear." Bear. Did that make anybody else's list? No. No. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so this album is like... You know, this is something I want to return to, but it's like, you know, you're constantly struggling. I mentioned it earlier with this, like do you pick albums that are like important or something that kind of sum up the decade or a certain period? Or do you pick albums that are just good, no matter what, whatever that means Um to me, this has both. This is like kind of firing on both of those important cylinders where it's sort of like, you know, in the mold of this kind of seventies singer songwriter um, thing, but it's got sort of interesting production where there'll be, it's got like this lush these lush strings and some of them surprising like even mariachi things and like weird synths and stuff there's something like unique a unique uh modernized take on the singer songwriter of the 70s vibe um but the lyrics man are just too fucking real like i feel like you know i was revisiting this might come up on somebody else's list maybe but like arcade fires the suburbs right which is like this definitive album that came out in 2010 didn't make my list but it's like you know about this kind of It really captured this, like, alienating feeling of that era, you know? Like, being young, growing up in the suburbs, and this aimlessness and stuff. I feel like this album, I Love You, Honeybear, it's kind of like catching up (laughs) with the narrator of um, the suburbs now that he's, like, in his mid to late 20s and still doesn't know what the fuck to do with his life, you know? It's like, I just feel like it captures, I don't know, like, the millennial, the 20-something millennial bitterness anxiety you you know there's like a lot of love songs here but they're kind of they're always like undercut with this humor like he can't even be in a sincere relationship because he's just hyper aware of how fucked up everything is or whatever i mean i, I don't know it's just it's it, it, it like speaks to me to the point where it's almost uncomfortable but i i sort of love it for that um number eight dan
1: yeah number eight i got nick cave and the bad seeds with skeleton tree from 2016 uh, okay. You know, this is the the first record after uh, Nick Cave's son died, his, his 15-year-old uh-huh. son. And it, it, a lot of the songs were, like, written before that happened, but, like, obviously they sort of take on this other meaning, like, with that tragedy. And it's just, like, a crushing record, you know, from, from like, the, the f- first notes of Jesus Alone, which is, like, just this real, like, drony, like, son almost kind of guitar. It just, like, grips you. Right right. from then, it, it, this, yeah. this is the kind of record, like, if I start this record,
0: I, I you gotta finish it, you know, there, there's there's no stopping. See, uh, that's that's my thing, it's like, I, I love this album, and I, I did revisit it, and I think it's wonderful, but it's like, you know, you kind of have, I always have trouble with those albums that are like, you, you gotta be in the right mind frame, you gotta yes. sit down, start to finish, it makes it hard for me to think back and be like, oh yeah, I listened that often, you know, that's really stuck with me, you know what I mean? I, I get you, but...
1: I listen to this record a lot and I have like since 2016. This is like one of the records that like sort of stays on my phone uh, uh at all wow. times. Um I, the, this whole trilogy, you know, Push the Sky Away, Skeleton Tree right. and then the new one Ghost Teen. Uh which which with Ghost Teen like this this, this sort of like a problem with doing these lists like uh, when one the year the decade's not actually right. over and, and it's so close you know like because ghost teen is something that you know if you, you asked me in five years it'd, it'd probably be in the top 10 of this list but just this whole trilogy is just like f- so fantastic and uh i think skeleton tree is uh, right now the the shining star in it for me
0: all right what's your number eight darren
2: number eight for me it's from also from 2016, and it's "The Life of Pablo"
0: by Kanye West. Wow! Okay. Yeah. All right, I'm I'm actually very curious to see how many Kanye albums are, <laughs> you know, in our discussion. This actually didn't make my list though, but why didn't oh. make yours?
2: Yeah, I mean, this was one that I actually left off some of my early drafts of the list. In fact, you mentioned, like, the suburbs. they It was on here at, at one point. Um, it was taken off. There were a few others that were kind of in the, the running. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> I just felt like I couldn't deny the life of Pablo. Um, kind of revisiting it. Um, you know, it was really interesting actually listening to this and some other Kanye records and other favorites and sort of realizing, I think back when the album came out, I was like, this is like the, like, you know, maybe Kanye's best, like right up there with Dark Fantasy, all this kind of stuff. Uh Um, and pretty much for that whole year, I was listening to it a ton, you know, Kanye Fever, whatever you want to call it. But, um... You know, upon, like, returning to it, I kind of, like, noticed, I think, some more, like, flaws, some things I just didn't care for, like, moments where I was, like, ready to just skip to the next track, because there's, like, some bangers on here, but there's some, there are some low points on the album, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah.
0: Some low lights, if you will. Oh, (laughs) here here we go. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree. You know, I I sort of settled on the idea that this, this could be, like, my favorite Kanye album, but I have to admit that it's not the best Kanye album. Because it, it, you know how fond I am of like white album style albums. I talk about this pretty much every episode. But sure. like, there, there's there's lowlights, there's highlights. You know, there's stuff to dig around through. There's little gems you find. You like, you'll you're just one day like, I never even realized how good this little song is. You know. Um, but listening to it this week, you know, I, I did find that it, it there, there's something about that like inconsistency that makes it more of an album. And I never do this, but more of an album that I kind of pick and choose like i listen to this album often but i almost never go from start to finish yep you know same same i i will say uh this this is on my list
1: it's number six so we're getting close to it so i'll go ahead and say it but um you know like you said like this is sort of like because i hate doing it too but it is like a little bit of a you can skip around kind of album yeah and and one thing i'll do uh Uh, semi-frequently is uh start like in the you know the bonus tracks kind of start like after silver surfer right right. i always like i I always like sort of wish that that was just an ep on its own and uh so sometimes i will listen to it like that like starting with 30 hours uh through to saint pablo um so so i feel you you know this this one is like sort of disjointed but i mean it's still like a great record um i think it 100 percent deserves to be in the top 10 of the decade uh i mean just just think of like how how much impact it's had, you know, like people were wearing Pablo shirts for for forever, you know like just just in the culture it's so important um the The rollout is uh sort yeah, of the, the first taste of <laughs> oh, yeah. of, of oh, yeah. the the now <laughs> first
2: taste <laughs> yeah.
1: standard yeah. Kanye rollout, but it was it was like sort of fun because it was the first time we like experienced that. Like I mean, I remember like we were in Chicago when this record uh, released, which was fun, and like not knowing when it's gonna come out, and uh, you know he was I on know. SNL, and we we had gone to see godspeed in concert when we got out like the you know right. record was coming out like and stuff it was it was really fun like roll out um and i mean just the record itself it, it you just cannot deny like it's a great fucking record
0: yeah yeah i feel just the same I, you know there's something there's just something a little weird how it, it almost like tries to be a self-contained record you know all, through the track wolves you know what i mean or you yeah know, including like frank's track and it's like he made that record or something and then was just like, you know what, dude, I'm adding all the other shit that I did on this. <laughs> and like that, that's what elevates it to classic mm-hmm. status. Because I don't, you know, I don't think like Wolves are, you know, even like um, FML, I don't know. That's enough you know, not worth talking about, but like the weekend was so important this decade and I, and now I cannot stand him. Like He, he got really back, overplayed. Yeah. What yeah. the hell? I can't stand it. It's so annoying. I but agree. anyway, so, you know, it's, it's that like that. I'm gonna try to make an album so it hangs together. You know, the, one of the greatest opening tracks in history with Ultra Light Beam, but then just oh, yeah. being like, you know, what? Fuck it! I'm a genius and I have a lot of ideas that don't fit, and I'm gonna put them in there anyway. Um, <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> so my number eight is My Bloody Valentine with MBV. Oh wow! Okay, that almost that that's like
1: it was on my a uh, list of records that might make the list, but I didn't. I didn't make it.
0: So, yeah, you know, I absolutely adored this when it came out and haven't listened to it a lot since. And I actually noticed I'm going to talk about this a little bit later. But this idea of like memory hold albums, Mm -hmm. albums that were like so hyped at the time and got completely forgotten. And I saw a lot of people mentioning this as a good example. Now, I think that is literally only because it's not available on streaming. I was going to
1: say I was going to ask that that probably has a lot to do with it. that's why i
0: don't listen to it that much yeah i rarely listen to it honestly since it came out i mean i adored it when it came out. i listened to it nonstop, and then i just found myself being like you know what i haven't listened to that in a long time i'm gonna i'm gonna put it on and it's like from the second she found now starts i just feel like i melt into my chair it's like i don't even think there's a need to compare it to loveless or anything um you know it's obviously not as good as loveless okay but there and it's doing something a little different i think in the sense that it's like you know how it works like three tracks in this sort of like mellowed out style three tracks in like sort of a different more minimal style and then three tracks with like a more aggressive drumming drum and bass thing it's an interesting layout but it just the whole thing you're just like in awe at i mean this is a master you know again with the with the godspeed thing it's like how do i put a my bloody valentine album in the top (laughs) you know albums of the 2010s but god damn i mean this this record just hits me and that's another thing that i found myself doing i want to talk about our approaches to this list in a minute but it's like a lot of these records i loved if i put it on does it still amaze me you know and this this certainly does um okay we are on to our number sevens. what is yours dan
1: yeah my number seven uh david bowie black star from uh 2016 Hmm. okay I, i mean basically bowie he is Release nothing but lackluster at best to to bad at worst records since Scary Monsters uh, in uh-huh. 1980. Um, so you do the math, how long that is? Uh, <laughs> and then he shocks the world by like releasing this this art rock masterpiece. It's it's like this combination of free jazz, kraut rock, and like yeah. God knows what else. Uh, and then fucking dies two late two days later like i know like like what the fuck you know like what a i mean i'm sure he didn't know he was
0: gonna die two days later exactly but but the lyrics really make you but it makes you think yeah exactly i remember listening to it when it first came out and being like is he okay you know like yeah no no
1: yeah the same and then just like i mean what a cap on a like even though he hadn't released like basically any records that were good since 1980 anything before 1980 is like basically fantastic so you know what a cap on like one of the greatest artists of all time you know this i love this record to this day and you know it's another one of those ones that just like rarely has left my
0: phone since 2016 you know yeah it didn't make my list it is a great album but let me ask you and this is just sort of a philosophical question i mean if he didn't die if he was still alive would this be the kind of album that would make your list?
1: Yeah, I think so. Because in those two days before he died, um, like I I listened to this as soon as it came out. um, Uh Because even though he hadn't released a good record, I still checked them all out. Uh, You know, just hoping, just hoping, you know, you finally, finally get it. But in those two days, I I was fucking loving this record. So much so that when he did die... I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Now you know, like, because I was still listening to it at work and stuff, and I want, I didn't want people to be like, oh, fuck, you know, Bowie died. Here, here goes Dan. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah, yeah. I was like <laughs> self conscious about, it. yeah, that's stupid, but I, I literally was like a little <laughs> self conscious about it. Um, but no, I, I, I was, I, I think, I, I've talked about it on the podcast. I love a good story and stuff I and mean, i think that like really does add to like the legend of a record and and the enjoyability of it so i mean that does help it but i th- you know maybe it'd be number yeah. eight
0: or nine if he did yeah. <laughs> right, <okay>. you know <laughs> yeah well longtime metaphoric listeners will remember when darren famously oh, disrespected God. uh this album by just leaving <laughs> it off his uh top 10 no, because i looked
2: at it as an album i did not take into consideration the death of an icon like you two did obviously it was a, it was a great it was a good record just wasn't a top 10 for that year.
0: Wow. So I don't suppose you <laughs> you changed your tune in the years <laughs> since.
2: No, definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> You're number seven, Darren. Number seven for me. Uh, it's from 2012. It's Good Kid, Mad City by Kendrick Lamar.
0: Okay. Okay. Didn't make my list, Did, surprisingly.
2: It,
1: I was really surprised. Yeah, didn't make mine either. I, I, I thought about it, but it didn't make it.
2: So of Kendrick's albums that came out in the last decade, this is the one that always... I felt like blew my mind. It just blew me away the first time I heard it and coming back to it. I was sort of like reminded of just like, Oh my God, this album is so great, you know? And I, cause I had spent so much time listening to like to Pimp a Butterfly and damn. Cause we, you know, we covered damn on uh the previous podcast and everything. Um, but this, this record was just so much fun. You know, it just seemed like, a you know, a guy just like literally coming out of nowhere. It seemed like to me, yeah, with just yeah. An, an incredible, like, you know, rapping ability just incredible like lyrics and just so much fun like even all like there's a lot of like little skits and stuff in between a lot of these songs like they were still like they're fun to listen to they're not very long like i can just go with the flow i don't feel like distracted by them too much um like just overall i mean it's not a perfect record obviously but like to me it's like it's pretty damn important for kendrick's career and personally it's it's his best to me
0: i agree it's his best um I fully expected it to make my list, but then when I revisited it, I found myself lacking patience for the skits, and I also hmm. found myself kind of surprised by, you know, the the last two tracks, Real and Compton, um, are kind of like the weakest parts of the album, and it's yeah. just unfortunate that mm-hmm. it yeah. ends on that note. Um, you know, it's got this great arc, which is sort of like him growing up or something, and it's like, by the time you get to Compton, it's got this really big, grand, like, you know... Dr. Dre style production. That's like I've arrived. I'm here, you know. And I so much more enjoy the early tracks that kind of evoke when he's like a little, you know, dickhead kid, like fucking around and right. you know being like an arrogant asshole. You know that those are still stunning. But you know, I found like the, the whole arc not really working for me like it used to. Why didn't it make your list, Dan? It's uh, so,
1: sort of a similar thing. You know, like I I don't have as much patience with the skits anymore, and then. You know, it's like, it's like a record, like, when I think about it, like, I'm like, yeah, I love that record. That record's great. But then when I listen to it, it's, like, hard to listen to the whole thing. Like, I never really want to, like, invest that much time, uh, yeah. especially with the skit. There's just, like, a, there's too much, like, fluff around it. Um, I do think it's probably his best uh, record. But, yeah, it's just, like, it'd probably be in my top 20. Um, but it's just, just not enough to crack the 10. You know, it just, just hasn't held up for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. A weird example I thought of, like, like when I got to swimming pools, you know, it was kind of like, God damn, this sounds old. This sounds like- It does sound a The biggest old. hit of 2012, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Um, we can talk about that later, why things age and why things don't. Um, my number seven, I already talked about it, Godspeed you, Black Emperors, Alleluia, Don't Bend to send. Uh, from 2012. I keep forgetting to say the year, but Darren's doing a good job with that. Um, what is your number six, Dan?
1: I already talked about it, Kanye West, The Life of Pablo from 2016.
0: All
2: right, what is your number six, Darren? Another one from 2016 for me. Um, it's Teens of Denial by Car Seat Headrest. Okay, yes. interesting. Damn, right. you're on that indie rock. Yeah, yeah, you know, I wanted... They needed some representation because I knew you <laughs> assholes were not going to... Uh, <laughs> <representation> <laughs> um, you know, I remember, like... I still remember the, the podcast where we talked about this, Gabe, and we spent so much time just sort of, like, talking about the fact of, like... You know, how how somebody becomes, like, inspired by a rock band, right? Like, when, when yeah. you discover Nirvana for the first time or whatever, you, you become, like, almost obsessed with them. You want to, like, learn more about, like, what they're doing behind the scenes, like, outside the studio or how the writing process, all that sorts of stuff. And I remember uh, specifically, like, you know, obsessing over Car Seat Headrest just because I love the record. I, I felt, like, immediately that same sort of inspiration that I had felt sort of more so in my youth like when you're discovering a lot of music for the first time Uh Um, so i felt like it was like a real like return to that you know um you know obviously really great songwriting The the sort of idea like of just like any idea is a good idea and just throwing it all out there and just making this like grand album um full of that you know we we all know about his like career and his songwriting and everything it just felt like everything kind of sort of clicked and like came together
0: on this record yeah, it's it is kind of an awesome record. It's I feel I feel like it's almost a better version of what that Mitski album represents to me, which is like the indie jam, but just a really really good one. Uh, weirdly, I'm just realizing now I don't listen to it that much because I'm so attached to the um, the you know the track that it sort of interpolates the cars, uh, just oh, what I need. Yeah, yeah. And he had to change it at the last second and. So, I have downloaded, you know, um, the original version, but you can't stream that. And so, I just, like, never put it on. And I just wanted to mention that because, um, fuck, Rico's okay sick. I'm glad he's dead. Um, <laughs> oh, geez. Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm a little harsh, but damn, I was really fucking annoyed by that because I thought it was so cool. Well, what's, um, really, what's really annoying
2: is that, like, I use my Google Play music to, like, sort of sync my iTunes library. And for some reason, I guess, like, when you're streaming... That record, it like changed the song, like because I I had always had the original download as right, well, right, right. And when I stream it from like on my phone, it it plays like the the later one or whatever, the the changed one. It's yeah, it's really important. Yeah.
0: Okay, my number six is Sufjan Stevens' "The Age of Odds" from nice. twenty ten. Is that on your nice. list, Aaron? It's not,
2: but it was one that I definitely returned to, um. But it didn't make my list though.
0: Uh I know it's not on Dan's list, but no. I think it's. <laughs> Definitely, I think it's just incredible, and it's a great example of, like, you know, 2010, this early period, like I said, when everything was just sort of crossing and mixing. It just felt like this wild frontier for some reason where you could kind of do everything, and Sufjan, this, like, folksy dude, who I never actually, before this, I didn't like that much. You know, I thought, like, Illinois was cool, but not, like, the best thing ever, and then I heard this, and he's, like, thrown on, I mean, just every idea that he could possibly have, where it's, like... It's got this folksy vibe, but then it's got this heavily orchestrated, like extremely dense Mahler esque, you know, like use of strings and stuff, mixed with like electronics, drum machines, you know, choirs. It's just everything, and like, but but at the end of the day, you know, it's like the songs are, I think, just incredible. You know, yeah. stuff like "I Walked" is just it just like moves me in uh, so much. Vesuvius, Vesuvius, and yeah. then you. You've got, um, impossible soul, yes, you know, at the yes. end, which is like 25 minute song that just never quits. And, you know, so it, it's like, it's got the fun and excitement that to me sounds really fun from the perspective of 2019. So it's sort of like a, damn, that was really a really fun time, you know, when this kind of crazy experimentation was going on. Um, and yet at the end of the day, it just comes down to these absolutely incredible compositions. Um, we are into our top 5s now. So Dan, what's your number 5? Yeah,
1: number 5. We talked about it a little bit already, so I'll I'll be brief. Uh, Swans, The Seer from okay. 2012. I mean, just a a monster of a record. You know, this is the second record from the, like, Reformed Swans. And uh, I I love the first one. Um, My father got me up a rope to the sky. But this is the one where they gel as a band. They become, like, this new sound. You know, that that previous record still sounds a a bit like a mix of uh, old swans and uh, Angels of Light and stuff. But this is... They become, like, this new band. And it's just... It's, like, one of the best bands of all time. Like... I I saw Swans for the first time live during the Seer tour, and it just blew my goddamn mind. <laughs> uh, they're they're probably the best live band I've I've ever seen. I I uh, flew to New York to see their final three shows, like as this band, and uh, wow. this this record is just fantastic. I mean the the ending. It, it's maybe the best ending of a record ever in, in the apostate when uh the the drummer Phil is just like going goddamn nuts yeah, on yeah. that on that uh bass drum thing it, it there's this whole thing like such a such a monster so fantastic
0: i, yeah, I love it. it it's interesting it was interesting listening this past week because i've been listening to the new swans album leaving leaving meaning um at the same time sort of and you know, this one just makes that sound very, very weak, you know, a different band now. And, mm-hmm. you know, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's it, I think it's. I quite like it, but it just sounds, you know, completely flaccid no, compared that, to that, this. That,
1: yeah, that's I mean, we privately had talked a little bit and I said I was a little disappointed with this new record. and And yeah, that's the thing like this. This sounds like a giant like piece of you know art music whatever whereas this new one it's sort of back in that like you know pre-seer uh you know reform thing where it's like they're still working it out still you know it's still great i still i i I love this new record i i I love uh father will guide me up a rope to the sky but it's just it's on a different plane of existence than uh than than the trilogy
0: And, you know, like I said, I, you know, I like the softer, there's sort of a softer vibe to this new one, but it's like the softest parts on the seer are still just Mm -hmm. intense. I, I don't even know how to explain it. Um, all right, Darren, your number five, number five for me comes from
2: 2013. It's modern vampires of the city by vampire weekend. Interesting. Yes. Um, just, you know, really, really great, like, indie pop album um you know i love vampire weekend there's no you know i haven't really uh been secretive about that at all and this record has been one that i've listened to like nearly non-stop like I, it's always kind of somewhere in the rotation even if it's not the entire record it's just like a couple of the songs like don't lie everlasting arms yeah things like that um it was a real big part of, uh, like, when my son was born in 2014, which is, like, a year mm-hmm. after the the record came out, which is kind of something we always, like, put on a lot, you know, when he was going to sleep or whatever. I don't know why in particular, but it was just, like, a really great record. Just a lot of fun listening to it.
0: That uh, That is sort of a, a, a fun thing that I guess, you know, like, you're not supposed to mention, but it's, like, each of these albums, uh, as I was revisiting them, it's, like, they all bring me right back Mm -hmm. to the like the moment when I sort of fell in love with the record. And I think it's just impossible to, you know, avoid letting that sort of color your assessment a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, a really great record, but it's not, not one that I've revisited much. Um, for some reason, I actually found myself, I I did revisit it and I revisited, uh, their, their other 2010 album Contra, you know, and just found Contra, um, surprisingly holding up really well for me. Um, Hmm better than this one but we we've talked a little bit about we might end up doing a vampire weekend uh, episode so we'll we'll have more to say for sure. Um my number 5, I feel like I'm going to get in trouble for this. Kanye West Jesus. It's
1: a little it's a little low. <laughs> I, I mean it's on my list but it's, it's, a little well, it's number
0: 4 for me so I I'm, oh, okay, I'm okay. good with this, right. yeah. I don't have to feel so bad. Um yeah, you know, when I when my I made my first draft it was like uh number 2, I'll say. And it just sort of slip down and I think you know it still has again I talked about like when you put on a record does it still sort of blow you away and this one does except that there are like a couple songs that don't really blow me away you know I think of like guilt trip and send it up you know kind of buried in the the Mm. back half there and when you have like a 10 track album like this you know that, that can really sort of hurt it. It's not that they're not like bad at all, and I still think this is a ten out of ten album. But it's like there is—it almost feels like the first half, and then you got like, you know, sort of threw blood on the leaves, basically, and then comes back with bound two. Is like I'm just in awe at the record because it is so aggressive. It is so mm-hmm. like punk. You know, it is so the lyrics. You know, it's amazing to to realize that like this this came, came out what like seven years ago, and the lyrics still shock me. Like Mm -hmm. when I hear him talking about putting his fist in somebody like a civil rights (laughs) sign, I'm like, holy (laughs) fucking shit. In fact, it might even be more shocking now, you know, with, with the, the current climate where you can really get in trouble for saying something like this. It's just like, he is lashing out at just fucking everything. Like, you know, it's, it's not even like, you know, it's just like, he's lashing out like anything that contains him, even like his own race. You know, he's going to like, he's like, I'm not black. I'm Kanye. You know, I'm just going to totally desecrate, uh you know fucking um anything you know apartheid or like martin luther king or just and you know what i mean darren
2: yeah absolutely the way he raps in new slaves like at the opening like is just so aggressive and like it almost like frightens you right like it like this is a person who like is scary like it is scaring me you know what i mean yeah and coming back to this record it's actually this record that put The life of Pablo so low, actually off my list at one point, but then like ended up lower on the list because it was so much better to me. Like coming back to it, like it was just the energy, the aggression, like the the raw, the rawness. Like I guess, you know, at the time we were thinking, man, it it does feel kind of rushed compared to like dark fantasy blah 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 right. but after hearing you know pablo and then everything that has come out subsequently yeezus sounds like a complete idea like you know it like does. that was it really like does. well thought out
0: very cohesive
2: <laughs> yes and it, it, it's actually become a lot better for that in in my opinion
1: yeah, I mean the the records coming up for me um uh-huh. on the list. Um I guess I'll save the number for for you know <laughs> whatever. But um uh, you we, you talked about like memories with with records and stuff. But this one those SNL performances. I one yeah. those are the, the the greatest SNL performances of all time. I I've watched them more than I've ever watched any performance of anything, I'm sure. And just uh-huh. like I I can remember like where I was and like, that new Slaves uh, performance, just being like, what the fuck, this is gonna be the best yeah. record, you know? And, it, you know, just, like, instantly, like, blew me away, and then... um I remember the the record leaked. I was I was going to like the beach or something and it like leaked. So I you know, I'm scrambling trying to get it downloaded before I'm leaving, you know, get it on the phone and just listening to it. You know, it's it's rather short and yeah, you know, I live yeah. like an hour fifteen or so from the beach and just like, you know, probably listening to it three or four times like on the way and just being like this is amazing. You know, it was one of those records that, like, yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes you hear, like, at least for me, anyways. Like, sometimes I'll hear a record, and the first time I hear it, I'm like, that is going to be a classic in in my you know book. Right. right. And, and you know, th- this is one of those. The the seer was another one. Um, you know, I I, I just absolutely love this record.
0: Yeah, I went to a uh, music festival, um, like hosted by the XX, actually, um. A couple days after this dropped and the dj was like spinning tracks from it and everybody was completely losing their shit and i just really felt like this is a moment you know like mm-hmm. this, kanye has you know this is like a world beater type of moment um and again what's most important to me is that it still sounds every bit like the world beater it was when it first yeah, came out exactly. um okay so your number four dan um
1: yeah my number four young thug barter six from 2015 uh this record was the first time i had ever heard young thug or anything and oh. at, at first it at first i was like you know it's good okay but then i just i i kept i kept like something kept drawing me back to it i kept listening to it and then i just like absolutely fell in love with it it is just like it's an insane record like he is he's like some sort of alien you know he's he sometimes you can barely understand what he's saying when you can't understand him you're like I don't know what that means. You know, I know the words, but I don't. I don't know what that sentence is. And yeah. he's just saying this like out, fucking out there stuff. The production is like uh, top notch throughout the whole album. It's it's very cohesive. It like seems like a album, which is something that you know trap artists are, are not well regarded uh, for for doing. Um, yeah, it, this is just I think like a special record and. You know, Young Thug's a star now and stuff, and I think Barter Six is is what put him on that path. But I still think this record is underrated. You know, th- this this should be when people talk. You know, hip hop classics of the the 2010s, maybe even all time. Uh, I, I think this record deserves mention.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that like within a month or two, I remember um, this dropped and uh, Futures DS2 dropped. Yeah. Um, and they were the two albums that just made me, like, stand up and take notice. Like, wow, Trap is going to be, like, the def- one of the defining phenomena of um, this decade, you know? And, yeah, I think the uh, Bar Six didn't make my list, but I, I do consider it kind of, like, a 10 out of 10 record. Um, I think it would be, like, in my top 20, 25. But um, I found myself feeling like, yes, this will be the defining document of Trap music. And yet, am I the only one who feels like Trap is getting a little fucking boring, a little stale? now in oh, 2019
1: nowadays yeah i mean even you know i'm a, I'm a huge gucci main fan and even the the last this this new one woptober 2 was was okay but even the the last like handful have not been that great i mean honestly the only one that's been turning out great records still um and he's had a he's had a few duds but but is young thug
0: yeah yeah you know it's uh yeah again just like a weird thing things can things can sort of start to age poorly but it's like trap saturated the market um mm-hmm okay your number four darren yep my number four was jesus which we just talked okay. about yep mm-hmm. all right my number four is james blake self-titled from 2011 not on anybody else's list i don't suppose negative not on mine well you know i think that this is it's been one of my favorite albums the entire decade i think it's 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 really stunning because it's you know we talked about uh that burial album untrue recently yeah and it sort of builds off of that vibe which became i think really really important to the decade um but it's basically like deconstructed pop music but so deconstructed to the point where it's like you know it's sometimes just a single like vocal melody looping and being messed with or like a the just the lowest bass and just like the the most minimal drums um in what feels like the most vast empty space or something like that it it sort of makes it 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 creates like sort of a loneliness feeling that you know we also talked about when it comes to untrue like this isolation for some reason but also this really fascinating i don't know this idea of like what what like what can, how how we can go somewhere from pop music you know how we can elevate pop into something just completely bold and original um so yeah and i found myself really feeling like um again sort of melting into my chair when i'm listening to some of these vocal melodies i don't think James Blake has had such a great decade since, in my opinion, um, especially his last album I really, really don't like. But uh, this stands up for me.
2: Um, yeah, I was going to ask you that, because I, I actually enjoyed this record
0: when it came out. I
2: remember listening to uh, it quite a bit, but I have not listened to like basically anything else since then.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I listen to all of them, and I find them... You know, he's like moved... It's weird. He's moved more and more into what I would consider something like traditional pop. Actually, I, I liked... Uh, you know, I've, I've liked some of his albums, but they're much more normal than this one. And it's kind of weird that he came out of the gate with just a complete deconstruction of what pop music had to be um, and then simplified th- things as he went along. Um, let's see. Number three, uh, we're on for you, Dan.
1: Yeah, number three. We basically already talked about it. Kanye West, Yeezus uh, from okay. 2013. All right. You're number three, Darren. Number 3 for me comes from 2016 and
2: it's Blonde by Frank Ocean. That's my right. my number 3 as well. Excellent. You know, I I wanted to mention this uh if there's any, you know, fans of Metaphork out there, uh they may they may know that I actually left uh Blonde off of my top 10 list really? back in I 2017. Really? I don't remember that. Yes. And I but I do think and somebody can fact check this obviously. <laughs> I believe I said something along the lines of like I need more time with this record. Like I just want to I feel I could I could kind of see this record being really incredible to me, but I just needed more time with it. at, the, at Whenever, whenever that was, but um, obviously over time it has grown on me. It has been an album that I've come back to time and time again. You know, I had Channel Orange kind of up there in my early me list, too. and yeah, I ended yeah. up dropping it off because I just felt like Blonde sort of transcended what Channel uh, Channel Orange was sort of like introducing. You know, when you yeah. hear it, when you hear a song like <clears throat> like Solo. Right. And just the just the thought process of just having like a vocal over like an organ, you know what I mean? Without adding anything else to it is such a bold decision. You know what I mean? Like to to, just not do anything else is incredible. And knowing the history of how this album was constructed, the amount of time that was obviously put into it, like I can I I always find myself wondering what that process must have been like to land at this, like what I would deem a masterpiece.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I think that this has become sort of rare for me. Um, it used to happen a lot because I had to buy a CD, you know, and had to just stick with that <laughs> CD. But this was like an album that, when it first dropped, I listened to it. I couldn't believe what I just heard, and like just had to immediately start it again, you know. And it was just like over. I, I listen to it often still, where I just like am am constantly in awe at it. I honestly, in a weird way, kind of feel like that James Blake album. Is like the prototype of what Blonde is, which is this just aggressively minimalist, aggressively like fragmentary kind of stream of consciousness, you know, from this genius. Um, oh yeah, and yeah, it's 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 just bold. It's just completely daring to to make tracks like this. And then I also found that like you know, it was sort of like in my memory, I was like, well, that's that's really like a you know it's got that white album vibe to me which i like but it's like just this crazy mixed bag that just kind of changes directions all over the place but listening to it this week i found that it hangs together really well you know the 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 skits um they always have that same like sort of melody underneath them you know what i mean oh, and yeah. yeah it it actually it's weird when you when you just sort of listen to it it can sound like a, a mess but Um, with a little distance from 2016 I feel like it really is just like this tightly you know crafted um, masterpiece um Okay, I don't suppose that's on your list, Dan.
1: No, I, but I, I will say that I, I do appreciate that record, you know? It, it's it's kind of not my style of music, and I think I said that when we reviewed it on MetaFort. Um, uh-huh. You know, it, it's just not really my style, but I, I, do, I do like it. I, th- I think it's a great record. And In fact, like my wife loves it, and she'll put it on the car, and I never like, mind mm-hmm. it playing. It's just, it's just nothing I personally would ever pick to listen to.
0: Okay, well, what's your number
1: two? Number two for me, Swans, To Be Kind, from uh, 2014. You know, I, I talked about it, like, Swans becoming this new band, and I think that this, you know, they, they somehow, like, uh, improve on the seer here. Um, you know, we're, we're getting, like, a, you said earlier, like, this one's a little bit more accessible, and I agree with that, you know? Um, it's got more like sort of traditional like rock songs in it, but then we've also got you know "Bring the Sun," uh, "Lusant," uh, Overture, whatever, uh, which is thirty five minutes long, and right. and and straddles between like this rocking thing and just straight you know ambient drone kind of things. Uh, it's just like a per- like the strange melding of you know quote unquote normal music and like uh experimental i i i think this is this is the greatest uh guitar based record that has been made in definitely the last decade and uh, maybe much longer than that um what a cool yeah yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. You, you can have that <laughs> so,
1: put that on the record sleeve you know um mean,
0: <laughs> means your number your number one isn't going to be car c address then i guess
1: <laughs> uh it actually i didn't want to spoil
0: it but <laughs> 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 um yeah but also no- i think it's it's really interesting you know because i talked about how how hard the seer grooves um this one also grooves in a really cool way to where it's got a little bit of an afrobeat vibe yeah. in some of those mm-hmm. which it, which is something very, I love very interesting
1: you know uh, like yeah it like strange you wouldn't think you know you don't think uh, Felicudi
0: when you think swans yeah uh, but but be- I, I think it's like it's like unfair sort of because people talk about swans like oh it's just like punishing so heavy but like it grooves it really really mm-hmm. grooves
1: yeah, yeah, a hundred percent, and and I love I'm I'm huge into Afrobeat and and everything, uh-huh. and yeah, so I I mean I definitely could see those influences there, and just I mean this was another one of those records. The first time I heard it, I was like, you know, goddamn, that this is amazing. I mean, I I remember when the, yeah. the, the the first single, uh Little God in My Hands," got released. Yeah. I remember yeah. I we were like at your old apartment, and I I, I like made you put it on the uh, your your little portable speaker, uh-huh. um, and just uh, even just hearing that one song, I was like, oh, you know. I was already excited for the record but you yeah. know, through the roof at that point.
0: All right, Darren, what is your
2: number 2? Number 2 for me comes from 2010 and it's Have
0: One on Me by Joanna Newsom. Okay. Oh, this you scared was... me for
1: a second when you said 2010. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this was uh this was like constantly floating around the like 9 or 10 spot for me and sadly wow. fell off. I, I do adore were it. We're going but... to have it on your list, but why Why did you pick it?
2: So when we started doing metaphor, when we started podcasting, right? Like one of the things I really wanted to try to do was talk about Johanna Newsom in this record. But we just, you know, obviously it just <laughs> didn't happen. Uh, you know, I really had wished we had talked about like 2010 or something. Yeah. And we kind of referenced the year over we and can over again. We do that next year. Yeah, that would be perfect, actually. <laughs> um, but this was one of the records I just wanted to talk about because I just absolutely adore the record like all the way through it's an enormous record two hours long um uh-huh. you know i've been f- i had been following joanna Newsom since like the milk-eyed mender like way back in 2004 right uh-huh. and she releases you know she released a record ease like two years later and then it's like another four years before this epic comes out and i mean yeah. it, this is like it's like you know poetry set to music it it is it is like a novel set to music you know yeah, just the way yeah. she, it, it's it's difficult even to describe the lyrics because honestly i don't even know a whole lot of like what exactly she's talking about like specifically because they're just sort of themed around different characters different you know yeah. visuals and stuff it's it's just but the music itself um i find find so captivating i feel like it's a really great album to listen to like late at night early in the morning like just so many like great settings for just putting this on and letting it go like you just don't you know you really can't just jump in at any one point like you really have to kind of just start from the beginning and just let it continue on like and sort of just
0: sweep you away you know what i mean yeah really interesting how she one of the few who sort of um you know started in that cutesy indie you know era and sort of grew up before our eyes or ears and was like you know just emerged in 2010 as this like a bona fide just one of the best songwriters ever again like kind of similar with um the uh father john misty album for me like i just i come back to like the songs here which are just incredible you know like the melody on i don't know on a good day or like go long or the last track does not suffice or something they are so moving baby birch is one of my favorites like so so moving um the production is so minimal, it feels, you know, it, it, I think sort of in contrast with that Father John Misty album, it's like, it's not really updating the 70s singer songwriter sound very much at all. It, it kind of like if you just, if I didn't know better and you just told me it came out in 1974, I'd be like, yeah, okay, sure. Um, but it kind of ends up not mattering to me. Um, like, I'm not blown away by the production, um, but the songs They they totally make up for it, I feel. Um, My number two is Autekker's NTS Sessions 1 through 4. Don't try to tell me it's four albums, it's one album.
1: I'll say, and I was just talking to my wife right before we uh, uh, started recording, I wanted to put either this or LSEC, but I couldn't fucking decide... I could uh, one. I couldn't decide if yeah. LSEC was one or five records, and then two. I couldn't decide is NTS like is it <laughs> is it an actual album or is it a live thing? Is it just radio set? Uh, I like couldn't decide, and so I left it off purely, purely because I could not decide <laughs> if, if it was one album or if it was an album at all. That's a hundred percent the only
0: reason. I really, really believe that it's, that this should be considered an album. LSEC should be considered an album. Um, All right, well, then but, redo
1: the podcast.
0: On <laughs> yeah, the <violence>. yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, but I, I just, again, this is a case of like, Autekker is one of the best artists ever. uh One of the best bands ever or groups or whatever the hell. And um this is almost like their crowning achievement. And I think it's, you know, we, we actually have in our feed a an entire episode where me and Dan talk for like two hours about the NTS session, so I won't go on too long. But um it's just like Autechre is this it's like they're they're the most trailblazing just explorers of sound that we have. And in the two thousands, I feel like they were Almost like spinning their wheels a little bit. But then what a decade they had in the 2010s, you know, with like XI and LSEC and NTS sessions. I feel like NTS sessions is like kind of the the crowning achievement of that, of an entire decade of just like. Really the culmination. Mm -hmm. Yeah, restlessly searching for new sound. And this whole, these whole eight hours, they have like a nice arc. Um, If you listen to them all the way through, if you ever have, have a spare eight hours, you don't have to do that. <laughs> a spare but, work day. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but what's fun is like just every track is like a new, you know, just let's see where we can go where we've never been before. I, I'm just completely in awe at that. Um, wow. Okay. I have a strong, strong feeling that we all have the same number one.
1: Uh, we better if if one of us doesn't have this as number one which means it did not make
0: our list at all you're fired from uh-huh. the podcast <laughs> <laughs> right. all right so kanye west my beautiful dark twisted fantasy from 2010 um dan why did you put this in number one i mean this is just like
1: this is the epitome of a classic record you know like kanye was already big uh, you know late registration uh college dropout i mean even graduation you know but then the whole Taylor Swift thing he goes away, comes back with just this like absolute uh masterpiece of of maximalism, which is like maximalism, I think in music is something that is like so difficult to do uh well and to control um yeah i'm i'm even I'm trying to think of like another like sort of maximalist record that I even like can think of or, or enjoy, and he just like completely does it um here um yeah and then yeah. surprisingly also makes like one of the best minimalist records just three years later but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah i mean this is just like insane like it's so every song is so huge like this this is a record I, true. I i love to like just lay in bed at like at night and just you know put on your good headphones and listen to it and just try to like hear all the you know if you, if you just like really concentrate you can hear sounds you you've never heard before. There's so many things like going yeah, on. Yeah. I mean, I be, th- th- there's a whole podcast just just about like this album itself, you know, uh what was it? Dissect yeah, or a dissect. I, I mean, this is unequivocally uh classic so much so that like even Pitchfork couldn't, you know, they gave it <laughs> number 2, but but regardless. Right. You know, the, even with all the the Trump shit, you know, whatever. I don't want to get uh-huh. into that. Like <laughs> they still could not uh you know give it the sunkill moon treatment they still had you know, to they put it on to. There. They, they they it. had to cuz people yeah. would there'd be riots in the street they're, if they left
2: this
0: be. off yeah why is this your number 1 Darren?
2: i mean as much as i love you know have one on me and all the other records that i talked about on this list like this album is like you know miles and miles and miles above the rest of this list for me like it it is just there, uh-huh. was, there was yeah, no question. Yeah, it's the one that
0: never changed. It never changed. It never, changed. Was, it <laughs> never ever changed.
2: List. It was the best album at the start of the decade. It is the best album at the yeah. end of this decade. It is... Everything that you said, Dan, you know, obviously I totally agree with. I guess I would just, you know, maybe talk about a few, like, particular songs or sort of how, you know, this is an album I just have never stopped listening to. Um, My yeah, favorites same. have changed over the last decade. You know, um, I still remember like exactly where I was when I watched like the runaway performance, um, you know, on the award show and everything like it (sighs) monster. I mean, I don't even know like where to begin. Like we could spend, I feel like an entire, we could spend uh, hours and hours just talking about like this, this record.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think like, I almost want to, I think that was the the challenge this week is I was like, God damn, you know, every one of these albums we could do a whole episode on. And this week could do, you know, like a series of episodes on honestly. Um, but I, I was just, like, shocked, honestly. I hadn't listened to it maybe a couple of years. Um, I always come back to it every few years. But I, I just found myself this week, you know, really thinking in terms of, like, how do things hold up? How have they aged or whatever? And I was just shocked by, you know, this has not lost a drop of, no. you know, it's, like, breathtaking quality. Um, unlike Good Kid Mad City or something, which blew my mind at the time, this doesn't sound old or or anything, you know? And... I just think about what a level up this was like for all of music. It it's like the embodiment of extraordinary, you know, Um, to where I don't think we get stuff like to pimp a butterfly or Drake's take care or um, let's say Beyonce's lemonade. Like we don't get these highly conceptual like pieces of art in mainstream hip hop R and B without Kanye's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. It was just like, I think it was just apparent to everybody immediately, you know, this, these are the heights to which we should all be aspiring, you know, and it still sounds like that. You know, I cannot, you know, it just, it it, it might even sound cliche, but it's just like, just listen to the end of Runaway, you know, and it's like, who does this? You know, who, how, you know, how do you, can you, can you believe like Runaway is not the last song on the album? I know, know I I know. Like, The most epic nine minutes ever comes like right about in the middle and it doesn't kill the momentum at all, you know, and just the way like it just seamlessly, you know, I was really, I found myself appreciating like the transition from the end of devil in a new dress into runaway, how perfect that is. Like, you know, the way it just sets the plate for a track like runaway doesn't feel like it would be hard to do, you know? Yeah, I mean,
1: it, it, I think "Runaway." You know, if I have to pick like the greatest song of of the record, is something I, I think "Runaway" is the easy choice. And uh-huh. yeah, it's crazy that it, it, it's not the the closer of this record. And in fact, like the the there's that like big skit with you know Chris Rock talking, right, and right, and like in anything else, you know, we were we were sort of bitching about the skits in like "Good Kid, Mad yeah. City," but like here, Kanye like makes it work. You know, he he he, know. he gets he puts it in there and, and I don't mind, you know, I, I never skip that or or anything. Um, it's just like insane. And, and like you said, I think this like completely elevated, um, popular music to, to the levels of like, w- you know, we're making art here, you know, we're not just, yeah, we're not yeah. just making some, some bullshit albums.
0: Yeah. And, and just like, you know, I, I, like again, like the way that you in the middle, you sort of crescendo with runaway and then it, Crescendos again in a way that is almost just as breathtaking, with like, you know, like Lost in the World is obviously amazing, but then the way that the uh the sample from power, you know, like the choir voices come back for Who Will Survive in America, you know, they're playing underneath with like the bongos and stuff. You're just like, I don't know, you know, like you're just jaws on the floor when this record um ends. Um okay. Anything else to uh, to say about, uh, you know, to uh, gush about Kanye before we move on? No, I think we should save it for the uh, 10th anniversary episode. Yeah, and we might actually be doing a, a Kanye episode next week when we talk about Jesus is King, if it actually comes out um, <laughs> in only 35 minutes. Uh, we'll see. Um, any honorable mentions? So I think we, we sort of mentioned some of them, but that just were like right on the fringe and you're sort of sad you couldn't get them on your list. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think I mentioned,
1: uh, uh, most of mine, you know, w- there were things you had on your list or, or yeah, a few, yeah. you had Darren, um, y- you know, uh, Scott Walker son, uh, Soust, I, I really kind of thought about that. Even, even bosch uh, just Scott, um, you know, those ones like sort of teetered on and off. I, I really like wanted to get Ice Age on there. I, I absolutely love, mm. uh, Plowing in the Field of Love and Beyondless, um, but you know just couldn't quite break it i i thought i would i would i would put death grips on there um but mm. I, honestly i i re-listened to it and it just didn't it didn't age as uh as as heartily as i i had hoped yeah what about you darren um
2: yeah i mean i mentioned like the suburbs from arcade fire you know congratulations mgmt was was an album that we had recently did a podcast yeah. on and i was like sort of like very turned on into that uh record, but just just couldn't find a place for it. Um also like Bjork's Volunicura, if I'm saying oh, that yeah. correctly, yeah. um, was an album I really, really liked back in the day, and I did return to it, but I just I just couldn't really find a place on the list
0: for it. Yeah, that was actually uh in the running for me too. I mentioned Joanna Newsom's have one on me, um Frank Ocean's Channel Orange, we sort of discussed. Um the suburbs, I think. It's really great but it, it just really sounds like 2010. Yes, and it was really yes. trying I think to capture 2010 and it did a great job but now from in 2019 uh maybe sounds a little a little odd. Um a weird one for me King Cruel's The Ooze which was like my favorite album of 2017 I think. Um I still really really adore that album. I think it's very much in the mold of like Frank Ocean's Blonde or like that James Blake album like this very minimal, bizarre, fragmentary thing that i love to get lost in um it, it's not one that i would imagine i would find myself continuing to but uh, uh returning to but i actually have since it came out returned to it uh, quite a lot so uh that was at one point in my list I, let's I talk about wanna, can i mention yeah. one more
2: thing so I, I was looking back at our 2017 end of the year list that we did a, a podcast uh-huh. on right and I, I i didn't mention any albums from 2017 um my number one at that time was JSON's everybody works which uh, i came back to and was just kind of like meh it was it was fine but it's not that great anymore the second one of course was mount Eerie's a crow looked at me and i didn't even dare listen to listen to the record again i was just like yeah i, I don't want to be this sad i don't want to do no it.
1: i told you when, when we did that that uh episode you know i like that record a lot it, it's a
0: great record but i never fucking want to hear it again in my life <laughs> yeah see i, I feel like Skeleton Tree sort of escapes that for me a little bit, but it's like still a little in that ballpark, or I can't listen to it too much. Um, so yeah, that for some it's weird how that sort of can handicap an album when you're making a list like this. And I do want to talk about our philosophies as we're making this list, which will sort of transition us, I think, into the into Pitchworks list. Um, you know, how did you go about this? I talked about how I kind of tried to be like, let me just sit down play these albums I used to love and see what is still surprising me or what's still, you know, amazing me or whatever. And, and what's not so much. And, and I tried really hard to avoid the trap of like, you gotta put this in there. You know, it's so important. Like it's gotta be there. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. did you find yourself struggling with that? Now I, I I sort of like what I did is is I thought of it as like
1: I'm I'm not a publication you know I'm making like my personal list right right and, and so I I didn't I didn't say. You know, because if, if I did do that, I think, like, Blonde would have to, to make it and stuff. So, I did, like, what are the records that, like, even, you know, after all these years, I still like to listen to, I still return to often. And, uh, I basically, basically, I, like, wrote a list of every, uh, album that that I would give, like, an eight or higher to, uh, for the decade. Um, uh-huh. and then, you know, I went through, I listened to a bunch, uh, you know, some were, like, obviously, the, when I, I, I basically wrote, uh, you know, one to ten. And I wrote "Beautiful, Dark, Twist of Fantasy" as number one, and then I started <laughs> filling out the rest. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of worked my way through it, and I did it just purely like what I personally uh, enjoy, uh, what I what is important uh to like the scene and 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 music that i enjoy you know like a uh, uh, really sort of like personal i guess yeah what about you doing yeah i think my approach is very
2: similar you know i was kind of obviously <clears throat> starting with albums that i felt a personal connection to over the last decade yeah um, I, <coughs> sorry i also still you know i looked at you know pitchfork i looked at rate your music you know and i there's definitely some albums that i was like oh yeah i need to you know, check these things out again, like, uh, you know, modern vampires of the city, honestly. Like I had, I talked about how much I had, had listened to it a lot, but it recently just hadn't really listened to it. So I kind of needed to uh. confirm that it was still, um, what I thought it was, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. And there was, you know, th- I, I, I think, uh, like I kind of wanted to mention like Kanye West, like the life of Pablo was, was a situation where I did feel like, you know what? Like I, f- I still feel like Kanye is like the most important, you know, artists of our generation, or at least of the last decade, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I have to give special attention to mm-hmm. not really dark fantasy. I knew where that was going to be, but Jesus and Pablo, I felt like belonged somewhere on the list. I just needed to figure, figure out, like, out where. where, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think that, you know, I, I guess I talked about it, but it's like, I found myself starting with this list. It was like, well, you gotta have that. You know, the 2010s isn't complete without that, you know. Uh, I think maybe the best example of this is like Kendrick's To Pimp a Butterfly, which I do really love. I think it's maybe a little overrated because it um maybe a little too long and it ends with like this long just somebody just talking, you know, sounding like Tupac or whatever, which is like sort of unlistenable. Um But I, you know, I do like it a lot, but it's, it felt like one of those things like, damn, I gotta get that in here. I gotta get it in here, you know, like what kind of list would it be without it? And I just sort of decided, you know what? Fuck that. Like, yes, I'm going to put my bloody Valentine on a, on a list of albums, you know, of the 2010s, you know, um, I'm going to put Godspeed, you know, because I just, I just think it's the best. Um, another thing, and this is where I may get into trouble, um, is representation. Okay. Which as we'll discuss, I think is really important for a place like pitchfork, but I was mortified, um, to basically realize that I, I, Couldn't fit a single female artist on my top 10. Big Um, surprise. Darren, you did a pretty good job with that, it seems. Um, But, you know, doesn't it feel like it feels like it's important, right? You know, because when you look at like rate your music's list, um, the first woman I think is like Joanna Newsom, and she's not until like 25 or something like that also. And yeah, that website skews really uh, male, probably, but it, it feels like wrong if, you know, when you look at your list and you don't see any women, it seems impossible that no women made like a top 10 album of the year list. And I found myself like wrestling with this idea of like, should I be like dishonest with myself and replace, you know, Swan's the Seer with Joanna Newsom's Have One on Me, even though I like the Seer a little bit more? Yeah, like, did you wrestle with any of this at all? I
1: honestly didn't think about that at all I, I, I just picked the records that I like you know if they I, I don't think about it, it, women, men, you know gay, straight, any of that you know I, I, did, I didn't bring you know politics or anything you know I just these are just records I enjoy I, I didn't think any deeper than, than that
0: yeah I, and I think, I think that's like yeah go on
2: uh, what I sort of thought a lot about was like <clears throat> how well am I representing the decade you know what I mean like Am I giving each year a fair amount of my time, a fair shake uh, okay. at, at making the list? Obviously, ideally, you would think one album from each year would make the list. Like obviously, that's just that's just not re- right, reality. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, and I was a little surprised that I have more 2016 records on this list than I did 2010, which I yeah. still feel like is the like one of the best years in music.
1: Yeah, 2016 was the, I, I, I did think about the year thing, because I, I sort of realized that, uh, you know, 20, um, 2016 was adding up um, uh, on it. And so I, t- I did try to be like, am I, am I yeah, sort of think yeah. so I went through like Rate Your Music of like each of the years, and, and right. did like sort of double check um, my, my initial like things I like list, and uh, realized, you know, it, it just was a good year.
0: Yeah, I mean that's, that's that's just what I struggled with is all this kind of stuff. Like, am I representing every year? You know, am I representing like all the kinds of different voices that we heard in this decade? You know, like, I, I, and I just settled with like I'm just gonna be honest with myself. Maybe to a fault of like this album moves me. Most, I did have a know? and I, I did
1: have a thought of like uh, I got three Kanye records
0: and right, right
1: and two swans you know i was like uh you right. know should i should i replace uh, one of the swans you know just just to talk about something else but then i said yeah i mean i'm, I'm being dishonest if i if yeah, i if yeah. i moved it
0: yeah yeah so I, I i feel like i just really value honesty in a list um narrative i tried to be narrative free yeah like, same you know i know that th- this album is really important or whatever you know but it, it doesn't automatically shoot in here now for the opposite example darren would you read pitchfork's <laughs> top 10 <laughs> albums of the decade
2: all right coming in at number 10 we had frank oceans uh channel orange from 2012 number nine d'angelo and the vanguard black messiah from 2014 number eight robin Body Talk. That's an album I did actually come back to from 20- mm. 2010. Uh, number seven, Vampire Weekend. Modern Vampires of the City. Nailed it. That was in uh, 2013. <laughs> <laughs> number six, Solange. Uh, I'm sure that was close on, on y'all's list too. A Seat at the Table. 2016. And God damn it. Number five, Fiona Apple. The idler wheel is wiser than the driver of the screw and whipping cords will serve you more than ropes will ever do. From 2012. Thank you for that. I
1: didn't hear you. What was that Uh, again?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Number four, uh, Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly uh, from 2015. Number three, Beyonce's Self-Titled from 2013. Number two, Kanye West's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy from 2010. And coming in at number one, Frank Ocean Blonde,
0: 2016. So... You know, I think that in reacting to this list as a whole, you know, we could talk about beyond the top 10, obviously, but there is a obvious, you know, concerted effort to try to make this representative. Right. So it's like, you know, we can't, you know, I, I just think it's like dishonest. Like they don't think that Beyonce's self-titled album is the third best album of the decade, but it's like, it would be unfortunate, you know, if they couldn't get like a woman up there in the top three, you know what I mean? Um, There, there's some of that going on. There's also stuff like Beyonce is such a huge presence that how can she not be on the list? You know, she, she ended up having three albums in the top 50, which I've never even heard somebody say that her album four is a masterpiece or anything, you know, so that blew my mind. But, (laughs) you know, there's like that kind of vibe, like got to get Beyonce in there. You know, she was so important to the decade, regardless of the music, you know, we got to get like nobody thinks taylor swift is good you know um don't at me like she's not good she she, she's like you know an important personality in the decade undoubtedly Mm -hmm. and so pitchfork like puts her album um gotta forget which one it was red Red, at number 59 which like seriously try to listen to that without fucking cringing it's shit dog shit (laughs) um I swear to God. And I mean it's like, I mean
2: if they were acting this way, like when Britney Spears was like popular, you, I know. Would, you would see Britney Spears on on a list like this. You would you know? just
0: because I, I understand the impulse is what I was trying to say earlier. It's like, how can I represent the 2010s and not mention Taylor Swift? But don't we have to be honest and just say it's it's great you know they're ranking her personality like her brand at number 59 you know what i'm saying
2: right i think you got to make a separate list for something like that you know important figures of the 2010s and music something like that like you just can't throw an album on there just because like well we got to get a taylor swift in here somehow
0: right and like rihanna comes in at number 12 her album anti which i think is like a cool record but it's like a lot of pop albums where it's like you know like six awesome songs and then like six songs that are just filler or whatever and it's a perfect example of the kind of artist that did not follow Kanye's lead with my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy and realized like I gotta make a statement you know i, I like th- it's, it's, uh, that one anti is
1: executive produced by kanye uh which mm-hmm. is funny um but also b- my wife was giving me her list that's what she would put as number 1 so she's going to be very oh, wow. angry with you <laughs>
0: <Very> <laughs> she loves that record no i think it's it's like surprisingly awesome i just want to clarify but it's like <laughs> I, I don't think it's like be a loud perfect record <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. it's it's not a perfect record by any means in fact i wouldn't even like I wouldn't bet an eye if it was like somewhere in the, you know, 100 to 150 range or something like that. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, Because it's really, really solid. But they put it at number 12 because they wanted to put Rihanna at number 12, you know? Right. Uh,
1: no, I I I completely agree. I mean, because yeah, when you when you talk about like who is the most important like figures of the 2010s, like yeah, of course I would say Beyonce. I I'm, right. you know Kanye, Beyonce probably number one and number two. Rihanna definitely on that list. Taylor Swift definitely on that list. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, I don't want to listen to <laughs> to fucking any Taylor Swift record. Or you know, I don't mind Rihanna that much, but I don't really want to listen to her and you know Beyonce is better than than all of those but you know i uh, lemonade's fine but yeah th- those records that they're not ones that i'm putting on uh very often or or at all to be honest yeah i mean i i want
2: to take issue with with robin being at number 8 um and you guys both know i'm a pretty yeah. big, big fan of robin especially you know when that whole body talk series came out there's like a part 1 2 and 3 and then this is like kind of combining them all, which I never liked, actually. I was a bigger fan of, like, the EP uh, huh. style that she was releasing back in 2010. But, I mean, look, th- they were great in 2010. Like, those those um, mini albums were really wonderful, some great songs, but they they have not aged very well. Like, coming back to, to yeah. those songs, like, they're just not... It sounds very much like I'm back in 2010 again. Mm-hmm. And that's not great yeah. when you're talking about a record that belongs on... Yeah, you're talking months. longevity it's just, it's just
1: at this point. You're yeah. not talking if we, if the best of talking 2010. 20, you're talking- when
2: we talk about the year itself of 2010, right, Robin will be in the discussion probably. But yeah. right. how how has it aged just in
0: the last 10 years?
2: To me, not very well. So I'm, I was very surprised to see it so high
0: on this list. Yeah, that, that raises another um, issue that I you know, found myself coming back to, which is like, you know, you got to think about like what is this list going to look like in a few years, you know, um, when like more of the dust has settled, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, so uh, another thing that we definitely got to talk about, right, is that um, a couple of artists, well, many artists were notably left off, but a couple of the most notable are like Sun Kill Moon, okay, which Pitchwork loved, Benji, um, Swans, no, no albums on the list, um, Ariel Pink, um, all three of these artists have like – some issues right in their in their uh, personal lives, I guess, you know, Sun Hill Moon famously uh, called a Pitchfork writer a bitch, um, said some misogynistic things, definitely. And uh, Pitchfork like canceled him, you know, swans. There's a little bit of some me too allegations that I guess I don't want to get into it. They, they sound like flimsier than most, um, but uh, that was enough for them to cancel. And I just th- think about, you know, like in. You know, I don't know when when Benji gets reissued in like like it's 20th anniversary reissue. Right. Is anybody going to say it sounds really good? But 20 years ago, he called a writer a bitch, you know, (laughs) like we're going to eventually get over it. And it's like, you know, let's say that somebody did do something awful. Right. In like 30 years is it really going to like matter that much? You know, are they going to be canceled for 50 years, a hundred years from now? Will they still be canceled? You know, like you see what I'm saying? Like, can we just think ahead and be like, you know what? After some time has passed, we're going to realize that this was a really great work of art.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, with, with sun, kill moon, they, they absolutely like loved Benji. Uh, you know, I I forget, what did it get? Like a nine five or something. It's very high, really high, high, very high, you know? And then, and and then there's this whole thing, you know, the next record that came out was Universal Themes, which I actually like more than Benji. And that was that I do th- like that it a lot. that's a sorta of almost made my list uh record even. Um but you know that record it w- that record was was coming out or had just come out when when this whole him call and the the writer a bitch thing happened. And remember they tweeted like a link to a review. Yeah. The album had obviously been reviewed and they rewrote it. They deleted it, it uh, very later. quickly. Yeah and then yeah and they gave it like a awful score like a three year i mean don't at me it, it, it was a low, very low score and it was very obvious that they had because it was like a week later it was very obvious that they had like redone this like to punish him or or, or whatever and like I, i'm don't send me an email i'm not you know it, he was being a dickhead and uh and everything but like you don't you got to separate the art from the artist, you know? I, I don't listen to Sun Kill Moon because I think the cause is a cool guy that I want to hang out with. Right, he right, seems right, like right. a dick. I don't really want to hang out with him, you know? Like, you you got to separate that because, yeah, you, you make yourself look like a fool when you you make this list and then you put one of the records that you gave the highest score to, doesn't even make it. Same, same with Swans. To Be Kind uh, got higher score than Blonde. The Seer got an equal score to Blonde. Not in the top two hundred. So either you're saying we forgot, or you're saying we were so wrong. Uh no, back I mean, then. You it know? comes back
0: to like a, a, a dishonesty sort exactly. of about like what what makes an album um good. And you know, what you mentioned, Dan, is you know, it, it became controversial in this decade. This was like the first decade where there was an actual like interrogation of the idea of separating art from an artist. And actually there was a big pushback against that. No, we shouldn't. And that's why Pitchwork, I think, feels free to rank, you know, Rihanna herself at number 12, essentially, because they love Rihanna, you know, and Sun Kill Moon doesn't make the list or Swans doesn't make the list because they don't like, you know, the actual artist. Um, it, it's a big question that this decade, it's almost defined this decade in a way. I mean, what do you make of that, Darren?
2: Yeah, I mean, I have a problem with, you know, a publication that, you know, advertises that they are the most important voice. In music, right. most trusted voice in music, right? But they think that they are above, you know, they're above the practice of like reviewing music to just decide, like, yeah, we're just gonna completely like erase <laughs> artists or albums or whatever because we can, we can because we want to, right? And I, I, I just don't, I, I feel like that's being incredibly like dishonest, like, like you were mentioning, Gabe. And I, I feel like it really hurts their reputation. In a lot of ways because look you can include Sunkill, moon or swans on this list and you can throw in your little jabby you know paragraph about their personal troubles or whatever that was going on outside the music but i mean yeah. this is i i'm coming here because i want to i want to read about what's been the best music in the last decade not about you know how an artist uh called a you know reviewer a bitch or anything like that like that's not why i come here you can mention it that's fine But let's talk about the music here, right? I mean, is this Pitchfork, the politics, uh, you know, like, here's how to, you know, be a cultured, you know, millennial? Uh, No, that's not why I'm here, right?
0: Yeah, I just, you know, I just keep coming back to, like, is it going to matter in a couple decades, you know? Do you want your list to look, like, completely stupid in a couple decades, you know? Like, is uh is that out you know is is causes comments are they going to matter in uh 20 years probably not and on the same token like you know god i hope your wife doesn't hate me but like <laughs> rihanna rihanna she's cool right she's really like really really cool but is she gonna matter in 20 years Ooh, you know careful not at this rate like she's got to <laughs> drop a she's got to drop like a lemonade or something pretty soon here but um you know, I doubt it. Right. And so a lot of this, I don't know, it's just really tainted with that, um, that aspect. Um, other weird stuff. Uh, I think this is sort of an interesting philosophical question that you kind of brought up, Dan. Um, eight 2019 albums made the, the pitchwork list, including big thief at number 33, very high and Lana Del Rey at number 19, um, doesn't that feel weird i mean didn't you guys sort of struggle with this like how the hell do i put a 2019 album it, on my list it
1: does and i you know i sort of mentioned it but like something like my beautiful dark Twisted fantasy i've had almost a decade to digest that record whereas like like i said i i I've, I've almost wrestled with putting ghost teen on on here uh mm-hmm. nick cave but i've only had what three weeks to to, to like digest yeah, that yeah. record you know maybe Maybe in 10 years, I'll fucking love that record even more. Maybe next year, I'll say, ah, you know, that it didn't grow on me. You know, I I, I kind of don't ever listen to it again. So, it's, like, sort of hard. And, and I think that, that that's not Pitchfork's fault. It's not any publication's fault. Yeah. I think it's just, you, you, can't, you can't wait five years to put out your decade list because then nobody's going right, to give right. a shit. And so, you do sort of have to, uh, you know, kind of pick and choose and sort of, like, uh, you know, maybe prognosticate what you'll feel. But, like... I mean Lana Del Rey at number nineteen. Uh, I, I feel like you you <laughs> right. could just go ahead and say that's that's uh not going to be correct. It's be a bad call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even those ba- yeah, big I mean, I thief records, I I, I listen to those because they're getting so much uh, hype. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, I'm not the biggest indie rock fan in the world. I I know it, but I didn't get it. I mean, I think
2: it's difficult, obviously, to do that. I think lists like this are like fluid. I mean, I I feel like in you know five years, my list might be slightly different. Right? Yeah, um, I agree. But uh on the other hand though, if like a Dark Fantasy like sort of album came out in twenty nineteen, I mean I wouldn't hesitate to throw it at like number ten or something like that just because I, I yeah. feel like when Dark Fantasy came out, like we just you just kinda knew like this is yeah, that's classic, true. You know but that
1: I mean? but that's the that's one of the I mean that's the last record for Pitchfork to get a perfect ten like
0: non-reissue yeah, or anything. I mean, yeah. That was sort of a rare uh rare moment, I for think. For sure, but for sure. I found myself feeling like like worried that i was going to be not um i don't i guess i can't think of a term for it but it's like um biased toward the middle of the decade you know because some stuff from 2010 2011 is starting to sound a little old now stuff from like 2018 2019 it feels too new uh but stuff right in that middle part is like the stuff that i'm not bored of but also you know still sounds fresh you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. like um it, so I, I found myself wrestling with that now on the same note, though, there were several incidents, uh, several moments where Pitchfork seemed to sort of admit that they got it wrong on this list. So they're not uh, not above doing that, which I'm sure they will do when they make their another 2010 list in a few years. Um, but something like "Run the Jewels 2," which they named album of the year in 2014, which I thought was really bizarre in 2014, but for some reason they were all on it. It went from number one in 2014 down to number 131. Damn of the decade um kendrick lamar's damn they named that the number one album of the year and it dropped down to number 57 overall i think a lot of people have sort of felt like that wasn't his best effort um be the cowboy you mentioned uh Darren it went from number 1 of uh 2018 to number 64 overall i mean run the jewels is the biggest case of this but it's kind of like but there were other things where cuz they published like in 2015 like a uh, best of the decade so far and stuff like tame and paula you know if it was like number 4 fell all the way down to like the 120s or something um so these are cases where you, you know that i just thought were sort of odd but i guess we can't hold it against them to Admit that they were wrong. You know, I actually kind of think they were right on all these. Changes. Yeah,
1: no, I mean, I, I think you can like that is something I think you can commend them for is like them not sticking to their guns on things because run the jewels I think is a big yeah. one,
0: and we did a whole podcast on but the it, old one like about the it. Problem? The problem, though, is that like I knew in 2014 that this was not the best album of the year. It was very obvious. Yeah, to me, yeah, true. You know?
1: But I, I will say, like, especially the first Run the Jewels. Like when that first came out, like I thought that was like a pretty badass record. I didn't yeah, put it yeah. at the top. I liked Run the Jewels too. Again, I wouldn't put it at number one, but you know it was good. Whereas now, like if those records are so cringy to me, like
0: if I, if yeah. I even try
1: to listen to like i like hate those albums now, whereas they, like they
0: I, they really I, age strangely.
1: Yeah. Like I, I used to like really, really enjoy them. Um, even damn, I, I gave, uh, whatever year that came out, I, I'm pretty sure I, I put that at number one. Um, uh-huh. and it didn't make my, my top 10. Um, I still like it. Um, but you know, I, it, it was one of those records that like in the moment, um, seemed a little uh bigger and and yeah, better than yeah. it was and, and it's still it's still great i mean it would probably make my top fifty or something but um
0: yeah i i mean i i could see that one anything else jump out at you uh darren as like really odd about this list
2: uh nothing in particular i mean we you know i guess my biggest beef really is with what we've been talking about and largely some of those albums that were in the number or the top 10. I mean, we didn't even talk about like Solange being, being there. Um, and I remember yeah. praising that, that album when we were talking about, uh, you know, when we talked about it in 2016, but I haven't listened to it since then. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I guess it's dear to some people. I, I get that, that impression, but I, I don't get that at all either. Um, You know, Pitchfork, in addition to publishing this list, you know, they published, I don't think we'd really need to talk about like the song list was you know the song list came out the day before the album list and it was like one of the bigger what the fuck moments i remember like almost everybody was just like this is the worst list i've ever seen um (laughs) you know they they had a reader's list um which was a little bit you know it's like readers lists are consensus i don't think is like the best way to evaluate um albums but but in addition to um these lists and things they have been publishing some articles um sort of summing up you know trends of the decade as a whole and i think this is very interesting so one of the one of the notable ones was called activism identity politics and pop's great Awakening." um it, it, you kind of want to assign like narratives to a decade you know what i mean like when we think about like the 70s you know there's like the we think you know there was a narrative in the 70s it sort of like started with you know the takeover of i don't know th- people like led zeppelin and and black sabbath and like heavy rock and really you know pink floyd and all that stuff like that and then it ended with like punk sort of killing all of that you know um but there are other narratives going on at the same time you know there's stuff like disco is happening um and the singer songwriter stuff we were talking about you know so but but you, you try to get a sense of these narratives and it's it's hard but um you try to do it in the immediate aftermath or i guess negative two months from the end of the (laughs) the decade um and what i struggle with here is that pitchfork is kind of they're kind of forcing this to be a thing and then acting like it was a thing on its own you know that like pop became political and you know woke quote unquote um it feels to me like circular. It feels like, let's say that like the most, because Pitchfork has an effect. It's still the most dominant, you know, music publication. um, Even though it sucks now. Uh, Imagine if like the most, the biggest, most important art institute announced for the next, you know, 10 years, we're only going to accept like paintings of uh, birds. Right. (laughs) And then afterwards they were like writing an article, like this was a really interesting decade. All of a sudden everybody started painting stuff about birds, you know, like, Interesting trend, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it. I I get what you mean. It's like, did they create,
1: uh, you know, this narrative, or is it uh, the genuine narrative of it? Yeah, I. It's hard to say, you know. I that that's something I, I, you know, it's a sociology thing or something, you know, whatever. (laughs) Like "Eh, maybe a little above my pay grade, which is zero. I get paid nothing for this. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) What do you think of of that, Darren?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was looking at as you were like speaking on it, I was like looking at my list my albums and like wondering if any of these albums would even fit into any of these. Right. Like, and I just, I don't really think any of my record, my records would really, you know, go into that. Like, you know, I, I don't think there's any, I don't think we would disagree that like there has been a lot of like I guess, awakening, sort of happening, uh, you know, this decade in various forms of media, not, not necessarily just music. Right. But, um, right, right. you know, and I, it's, it's kind of a hard thing for me to like speak on just because I feel like i have I've just sort of always been outside of that, you know, and it's not like a matter of like an ageism thing where I'm like, Oh, I just feel too old to really like pay attention to what, what was going on. I just think it's kind of, ha- it has a lot to do with, like, I just don't think there's anything different like are you know anything incredibly different about this decade versus like the decade before that like kind of like what you were saying like there's always like these other narratives going on and stuff but i think that this is like the hot topic and it seems like pitchfork is sort of just you know jumping right on the the bandwagon almost to like continuing to push i mean they've been doing this right this is kind of well that's
0: that's my thing right it's like it requires a little distance to sort of understand like what what made the decade the decade you know so like the 2000s, you know, it took me a while to be like, because I remember as a as a younger kid, you know, reading like, oh, this is what the 90s was about. This is what music in the 90s like did, you mm-hmm, know, uh-huh. and being like, oh, that makes sense to me, you know. And then thinking about the decade I was in, the 2000s, and being like, I don't really see a trend, you know, any trends yeah. here. Like you're too close to it, you know, and you have to kind of forget about things that contradict and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, and I can't blame them for trying. Um, but it kind of feels to me like Pitchwork decided what the narrative of this decade was going to be sometime around like 2012, 2013, and then <laughs> made it happen, you know, like this is going to be the decade that indie uh, is replaced by mainstream pop and mainstream pop gets really Deep and political and interesting. And, you know, coincidentally, they had been purchased by Condé Nas and needed to cover more popular things that people click on, but that's another topic. Um, we did a whole episode on that, actually, you can listen to in our feed. But um yeah, again, that dishonesty that I feel like just comes off of their list and their sort of recapping. On that note, though, let's try and fail to do the very same thing. What how would you guys define the 2010s? Like what is what are the narratives, what are the trends? that are going to be important in this decade
1: yeah i mean it like like you said it's so hard to do it when you're like in the midst of it because because really i think i think like one of the big things is it's hard to like think back too far you know like when you think of like things you kind of think like what happened this year and stuff you know it's like sort of hard to like look at it as a whole uh while you're in the 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 mists of of living it um you know some some of the stuff that like pitchfork talks about i i think like sort of is like a defining thing of it but again a part of me also feels like that's actually sort of recent like you know within the last three-ish four-ish years or something yeah, and yeah. like maybe i'm thinking that just because I, I i'm close to it you know like i don't know it, it's 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 almost like uh an impossible task to like I feel like I'm only just now realizing the 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 themes and narratives of uh the 2000s um, themselves. You know, like I, I, it's, yeah, it's so that's true. It, it's like nearly impossible to to do in the midst of it. What do you think, Darren?
2: Well, I mean, I don't think that it's not okay. So, like, I think of like the Me Too movement. You know, I feel like that is a pretty large portion of this decade. And it's not just specifically about, you know, women specifically coming out about being like harassed by so-and-so famous person, whatever. Um, uh. It's, it's, it's kind of become like this era of coming out and saying something about, you know, being offended or being mistreated in some way. Um, and I, yeah. I feel like obviously the media in some ways, music pitchfork, even as well, you know helps kind of uh circulate this stuff right and keeps it keeps it in the the discussion and then people kind of continue on with that um i think about you know musically streaming streaming i think is a large shift even at the beginning of this decade like i was just thinking about it like what if dark fantasy came out in the age of like when spotify was like at at its top like you know how would that have changed the discussion around that album? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's kind of crazy to think about because, you know, would Kanye have treated it the same? Would he have been treating it like a Pablo thing where he's just like going to update it on Spotify, whatever he wants, you know, like who knows? Like, I think that's going to be something that we'll be talking about in the next decade about how much of an impact, you know, streaming services really. Yeah.
0: I was thinking about like social media too, because you know this it feels like a big trend here was this idea of like event albums like get everybody talking you know release stuff like lemonade or something as a complete surprise and everybody's talking about it but then realizing sort of that because of social like social media moves so fast almost that it's like we talked about my beautiful dark twisted fantasy for what felt like months yeah. you know mm-hmm. what i mean and everybody talked about lemonade for like 3 days you know and then it was on to the next thing um it's also weird because if you go on twitter you know when like something big happens right like uh let's say beyonce releases lemonade and you go on twitter and you're just looking at everybody talking about it it's just a lot of like it's not really talking you know it's just like this is awesome slay queen you rule yeah it's not it's not discussion there's no discussion whatsoever almost so it's like you get people quote unquote it was like this decade was about like get everybody talking you know but nobody was actually talking you know and um It was like these event albums that sort of like just come and go very quickly. Um, It's it's going to have, I think, really weird effects on legacies that I think it's so hard to actually evaluate now. But I mean, that's obviously going to be important. Streaming again adds to that sort of like transitory quality, which is like I don't really stick. I don't really like hold albums close to me for as long as I used to anymore. You know, it's like I sort of devour them very quickly and then I sort of move on and then. When I was compiling this list, it was sort of fun to be like, oh, yeah, like I forgot about this album, you know, and um, it feels like there's going to be a lot more of that. Uh, You know, the political situation of this um, decade, Black Lives Matter, you mentioned Me Too. It feels like it had a big impact. But yeah, I guess I found myself sort of settling on the idea of like, it's just too soon to actually figure it out. You know, God bless Pitchfork for trying, but uh, I think it's going to seem a lot different with a little distance. Um so, you know, kind of wrapping up here, uh, one thing I did kind of want to mention in regard to that transitory quality, there was this kind of fun article I sent you guys. I don't know if you got a chance to read it. It was uh from Uprocks.com um about the most memory hold yeah. albums of the decade. Um, albums that were so hyped and then just completely forgotten. Did any you know, did you guys think about this at all? And did anything kind of tickle you uh remembering? Yeah, I um
1: I I read the article and I saw like uh a- Stephen Hayden uh is the the writer of it I saw him like yeah. post a little bit about it on on Twitter and you know like sort of the thread of, of of people posting them and one of the big ones that hit me was um Dr. Dre Compton um yeah I remember like yeah. I remember when that record came out like you know d- there was this whole thing for years and years of like detox like when are we gonna get detox when are we gonna get detox yeah, yeah. and then like finally Dre came out and said like it's not happening you know I I, I Made it. It just wasn't up to snuff. Scrapped it, which I thought was like very commendable of him. And then, uh, we got Compton, which was sort of like the the detox, you know. And so everybody was like super stoked. And I think like in everyone's stokeness, they um decided it was really excellent. And then, um, yeah, just sort of
0: forgot about it after a couple months. We talked about this on uh, our two thousand nine episode. We talked about like I think it's a really good record, only built for Cuban Links two by Raekwon, but it's kind of like that. I can't believe how good this is when it has no business being good, you know, yeah. to kind of like, yeah, exactly. Make it's you like, feel like, it's bigger than it was on
1: its own. It's sort of like, you know, okay, you know, or something. And the other thing with Compton, not on Spotify, um, which we, we talked about oh. like a little bit, like with MBV and stuff, you know, I have MBV on my phone, but I got to open another stupid app to listen to it.
0: Right. right. So right. I
1: never listened to, you know, like I rarely listen to it. <laughs> and I mean, I don't have Compton on my phone, uh, and it, you know, it's not good enough to to bother uh, getting from my Dropbox and putting it on there.
0: Yeah, any memory hold uh, surprises for you, Darren? I think of a couple, um, largely
2: like Pitchfork darlings. Like I even, I, I, I mean, I, just, I honestly feel like Robin is sort of like that because, like I, like I mentioned, I like yeah. that that album, you know, back in twenty ten. But I sort of like forgot about it like I, it's just always been like yeah I, I like that um another one that comes to mind is i can never say her name right but sky for oh yeah. yeah um you know another like pitchfork was just ha- you know hailing her as like this anti-pop queen whatever back in the day and just i had totally forgotten but another one that I came across and you guys might find this a little weird but you know i know the weekend was obviously a big part of the decade but uh-huh the the mixtapes that started his career like yeah, house of balloons yeah. Oh, yeah, like yeah. totally forgot about and i was like oh in fact i was like oh yeah this is definitely going to be on my top 10 list i need to come back and check this out and i did and you know it just didn't I, I felt like it didn't really hold up maybe it's because a lot of like mainstream music has really kind of
0: like taken the sound and like the weekend yeah and, like, it kind of like made its mark and then that was it yeah no, and no need for it exactly
1: i think another one uh the carters everything is love yes can you like i wanted to mention if, if you're in the future and you say you're, t- you're telling somebody about the 2010s <laughs> yeah, and you're like um uh, the two biggest artists of like this decade and maybe the decade before that as well um w- one got married and two uh made a record together you would be like well that must have been fucking madness yeah uh, but really, uh,
0: everybody listened to it for one day and then promptly forgot this, about it. This is the perfect example of what I'm talking about, which is like it caused a huge, you know, meltdown on Twitter because it was like a complete surprise release and everybody's talking about it and it's just it just vanishes. I mean it came out in two thousand eighteen. I can't and it's even gone already.
1: Like I know there was a song <laughs> called Ape Shit, uh yeah. but
0: I don't know any other song and I couldn't like sing you a lyric you know it might be like the def- one of the defining albums of the decade because it's so forgettable and yeah. sums up how forgettable music is becoming um mm. i thought of uh um you remember like bjork's last album utopia or whatever that got uh, mm. so much hype and we were all like i don't get it this is like a big misstep sort of yeah and uh that's vanished um i was also kind of tickled by did you guys ever listen to Tune Yards? Uh a little bit i've heard 2010, them,
2: 2011 right
0: yeah twenty eleven uh their um, um or her album who kill uh was so hyped and it was so much fun. I still think it's like kind of a fun album, but I was really fascinated to uh you know read this discussion of it and actually see more discussion on Twitter, which is like it was people talked about it like it was gonna be the future of music because it was basically indie indie pop and it was mixing in all these like influences, like a lot of African influences Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, and it, that was like what sort of summed up the two thousands. Like in retrospect, it was more of like a capstone, you know, on the, uh, previous decade. And then fascinating that in the next decade, it actually became like really problematic to, uh, for like a white woman to make like a tropical, uh, African type album, you know? And, um, I just think it's it's I don't know it's just something that I remember as I was looking at these albums like wow the early 2000 you know tens felt really adventurous and exploratory there was so much going on there was like indie was great pop was great like everything was mixing and blah, blah blah and then in the final half of the decade it almost feels like things settled on more of like a here's what you should do and here's what you shouldn't you know um I almost feel like I don't know with a little more time, we might feel like the second half of this decade was something of a bummer because there was less adventure. And a lot of the records I picked, I feel like were some of the most adventurous records of the decade. Um, you know, I talked about like Kanye's my beautiful dark twisted fantasy as like the very definition of extraordinary. And now I feel a little bit more like, you know, Pitchfork especially just constantly hyping, like very ordinary albums. Um, so again, I defer to my theory, which is so far, um, you know, flawless that at the, for some reason, at the end of every decade, you know, everything changes. So we're on to, uh, the 2020s. I feel like we're going to get a totally new musical landscape. Any predictions to wrap us up here? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll get like a, uh, you know, a
1: retro, uh, uh, 20, you know, 1920s <laughs> musical comeback or something. I, don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. I swing big band yeah is yeah back. but I that already know, happened
1: Kanye's in the 90s gonna usher
2: in, he, he's gonna usher in gospel it's
1: oh right. that's the, the good mainstream. one stream in fact that, that that's good you brought that up uh as we're recording right now it's 12 10 a.m um kanye has said that jesus is king will be out at midnight uh that was a lie it is not out
0: yeah no, <laughs> no album fucking well, clown
2: not, paint on my face like, again it's not midnight like in california yeah but right? do
0: this darren don't do <laughs> but, it everybody does this every no, time know, where it's like when he misses a release date it's like well you know he lives in wyoming so maybe it's wyoming <laughs> and then whatever the next you know well in hawaii he recorded fantasy in <laughs> yes, hawaii yes, so yeah, maybe yeah. when it turns,
1: you, know, you know what you know what record is up uh that's supposed to come out today the swans and uh he lives in nebraska which is uh an hour i think <laughs> behind me or behind us and uh there we go you know it's out yeah. it's out all on right. time.
0: all right so there's a new swans album there's a new uh sun album let's oh uh, yeah let's, shit that you know, came out tonight fuck uh fuck you kanye we're gonna listen to people who can release their goddamn music uh on time
1: all right well that's uh that's enough i guess i'll spend the rest of the night staying up waiting for kanye uh so what do you think <laughs> uh, we'd love to read your thoughts on the air email us pop at gmail.com uh we'll have next episode two weeks maybe it'll be about kanye Maybe it won't. <laughs> That'll depend on him. Uh, so if you like the show, help us out a lot by subscribing. Leave us a five star review uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And stay connected Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that junk. And uh, you can message us on there too. Is at PopShieldPod, and we'll see you in two weeks. See ya. So long.